Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. Telling it like it is. Giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is Cats at Night. John Katsimatidis here. This is the number one show at 5 o'clock. And, and we, we, we get here to make sure you find out what the heck is going on all day today. And uh, it's another interesting day. In the studio with us, we have uh, uh, Judge Richard Weinberg. We have Congressman Peter King. And Tony Carbonetti used to be chief of staff to Rudy Giuliani, so we call him chief. And uh, next to me, we have uh, my sidekick. Lydia Serrani. How are you, Lydia? I'm doing well, sir. We have a great show. We're going to have Bob Unanwe. He is the CEO of Goya Foods. He is on a missionary mission as we speak right now. He's calling from Warsaw. Exactly. So we're going to hear about all that Goya is doing. Bert Flickinger, he'll also be with us. He is the leading food and consumer products expert in the country. Where the heck are prices going? Uh, It's not looking good. Dr. Peter Mikolos, a fourth dose of... Pfizer, I don't know about that. And then, of course, we're going to be speaking, wrapping it all up with Ambassador John Bolton. But first on the line, we've got Bill O'Reilly. He's a prolific author, historian, uh, anchor, journalist, you name it, and just an all-around common-sense guy. That's why he has a show here on WABC Radio, Monday through Friday at 9 o'clock. It's the number one show, right, John? At number 9 one at 9 o'clock. Welcome to WABC, Bill O'Reilly, every Monday. Hey, guys. How you doing? Everybody good? We're waiting to find out how we're doing from you. What area you want to go to? You pick it. You know, um, people are getting tired of the Ukraine thing. That's the way of America. Um, our concentration spans are not what they used to be. And it, the reporting is repetitive. The new thing today is the danger, danger to the journalists. And I had spoken about that last week where, you know, you can't get on the ground reporting from Ukraine unless the area is controlled by the Ukrainian government. So if you go out past uh, what the Ukrainians have under control, you've got to assume that you could get hurt or killed because the Russian army will shoot you. And they don't care uh, about ethics or morality or unarmed civilians or anything like that because they know they're not going to be held to account. So I had a similar experience in El Salvador when I was down there covering the war in the early 80s and in Buenos Aires after uh, the Argentines surrendered to the British in the Falklands War that the uh, people who had guns in both of those places knew that if they hurt any reporter, American or any reporter, that nothing would happen to them. So that we had to be ultra cautious on where we went and what we did. So uh, we have a Fox News reporter who got his legs broken. We have uh, a a freelance guy who's been all over the world who's dead and his partner in the hospital. And that's why we really don't know the micro of it. We know what the Russian government puts out, what the Ukrainian government puts out. We know what the pictures that are taken show, but we really don't know the ebb and flow of what's happening there day to day. I'll say it in a different way. 
I don't know who to believe anymore. I mean, I, I, I think that bo- they both exaggerate. Uh, of course. And uh, it's just, it's crazy. Uh, Tony Carbonetti, you were with uh, uh, some people from the Middle East uh, a couple hours ago. What are they telling you? Well, you know, a lot of people in the Middle East are watching this because they're also playing the dance between China, Russia, U.S., and, and, you know, they've historically had their own issues in the Gulf, and they watch this and they say, well, is the U.S. going to continue to be an ally, you know, for the countries that we have been allies with? The Chinese are making inroads into the UAE right now. Uh, the, the Russians share, you know, oil fields with some of these these countries, so they're sitting back and watching and saying, you know, we're the little guys in, in this world between China and Russia and the U.S. They're watching the elephants fight. They don't know what and, and to come the Saudi, up with. The Saudi Arabians are partners with the Russia in, 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 in oil, in OPEC, in, in, in several ways. Uh, Iran wants to start selling uh, uh, crude oil. I mean, who is telling the truth? Well, I think there's well, no – I don't see how Russia's telling the truth. I mean, they're bombing civilians. They're killing them every day. That's pretty obvious. But, but Peter, a congressman, you – you, <clears throat> I believe they're bad guys, okay? I believe – but we really don't know the truth, truth. John, what do you want to know? I don't know. You, you ask me. You don't know what you want to know? Go ahead. You tell me. No. <laughs> <laughs> if there's something you want to know – Throw it on out there, and I think I'll come up with some kind of scenario that will at least uh, ease your mind a little bit. Yeah, but you, you, you'll there's be no doing excuse. It. You'll be doing it not on necessarily on facts, is what you'll be doing it on hearsay. Not hearsay. I mean, I've spoken to people in the intelligence community, the military. Yeah, I, I mean, when was, I, when was the last time you you heard the intelligence community say what they're really going on? But you well, can get you can get facts yeah. outside of what the official. Um, proclamations are. I'll give you a good example. So last year, last week, there was this uh, story about the biolabs, right? Mm-hmm. And that the United States uh, was funding biolabs in Ukraine. And that uh, was one of the reasons that Putin went in to do what he's doing. Remember that story? That got oh, a lot yes, of traction. Yes. yes. Yeah, that okay. was horrible. That's, so can't some be, right-wing commentators, some right-wing commentators, believe the story right away. And they said, oh, look at this, Um, the Biden administration, blah, 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 blah. Well, I have probably the best contacts in the country when it comes to the Trump administration. I think you all know that. So I did some investigating. And what the story is coming out of intel people who work for President Trump, not Biden, is that these labs in Ukraine – were set up not only with uh, the help of the United States, but also many other countries in Europe and Israel as well, to clean up biohazards left in Ukraine after the Soviet Union left. And that is what those labs do. They go out to so-called hot spots. There's one on Long Island, Plum Island. And they clean up debris that could hurt people. That's why the labs are there. Now, I believe that report. I could be wrong. Everybody could be lying to me. But it started in the Obama administration, went to the Trump administration, and now it's in the Biden administration that there are labs that clean up nuke waste and other waste. 
okay, that makes sense. What doesn't make sense is that America would fund a weapons lab and put it in proximity to Russia. Does that make any sense to anyone? Absolutely not. None. Okay. So, John, that's your answer to the bioweapons hysteria that dominated the news last week. You got anything else? I'll answer it. I I have one. Should uh, the United States have blocked the sending of the MiGs from Poland into the Ukraine? Excellent, Judge. Thank you for that question. So the myth is that the United States, the Biden administration, is blocking air power to the Ukrainian government. That's the myth. That's what's put out, again, by far-right people who hate Biden. The reality is that Poland could fly those jets, and it would take less than a half an hour, right into Ukraine now, get out of them, hand the keys to the Ukrainian pilots, and they could go up. That's the reality. But the Poles don't want to do that because it would anger Putin, and they feel they might get hit some way. So they want America to transport the planes through Germany, Ramstein Air Force Base, to Ukraine. But now, Bill, the Biden administration is handling yeah, But again, Biden's handling this badly because Blinken, a few days before that, was saying that they was, it was being coordinated with Poland. So, well, again, there's big signals behind the scenes. Look, Blinken is ineffective. I was going to say a moron, yeah. but that's not, that's not fair. But he's our he's foreign policy spokesman. But, but just step back for a minute. You're the president, Congressman. You're the president. You know Poland can deliver those planes in a heartbeat to Ukraine, but they don't want to do it because they don't want to tee off Putin. So you're going to take those planes from them. You're going to bring them to a U.S. air base and then fly them back to Ukraine. Well, and Blinken, here's the kicker. Blinken probably said they would. So that's the that's the that's what well, I'm saying. I don't care what Blinken says. He yeah. doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, then Biden should fire him. If he's going to speak to the world as our foreign policy expert and then we reverse that, that's what gives uh, uh, Putin encouragement that uh, uh, again, well, not, screwed up. Biden's not going to fire anybody because he doesn't know what he's doing. But I'm just talking about America. Now. What scares I'm me, fine. though, Bill, it's Tony Carbonetti. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Yeah, let me ahead. let me get the final kicker in on Go this. Any planes going to Ukraine, going up into Ukraine airspace, are going to last about 30 minutes before they're blasted out of the sky by the Russian MiGs. Does everyone understand that? Well, Ukraine's Any flying plane planes now that are being shot down, Bill. It's going to be destroyed by the Russians. Why aren't they being destroyed now? Ukraine is flying planes all over the place in Ukraine. They're not being shot down. They're not. They're not. There's no aerial combat between Ukraine planes and Russian planes, Congressman. They're up there in the air. They, they're, they're, they have a skilled combat. air force. But they may be funneling supplies or whatever. There's no well, aerial up the air combat doing up there. Okay? And, and not only that, would they be destroyed immediately if they confronted Russian planes? But Putin then would have an excuse to tell his own people, we're being attacked by NATO aircraft. That's what Putin wants to do. He's telling his own people right now anyway. He's lying to his own people. The average Russian thinks that. Would you give him a bigger card when it's true? So if you're going to have Ukrainian pilots confront Russian pilots, you're going to lose that all day long. There's no win there. And then you hand Putin a bigger card and, by extension, Xi of China, saying, oh, look, who's escalating? NATO, the Americans, 
You don't want to do that at this point. Well, I, I, I'll sign with General Jack Keane, who thinks we should do it. Oh, he's another one. He's another one. Oh, only a four-star general who's army deputy. Yeah, he might staff. be a four-star general, but there he has no blanking clue. That would make the situation worse. Look, I'll, I'll stand you with know Kane. me. If I thought that aircraft from Poland could help the Ukraines, I would say it. So, but Bill, you think only NATO pilots? Immediately, it has to be NATO pilots. You're saying. Well, who, no, it's going to be Ukrainian pilots. No, but I'm saying you're saying the only the only forces we have that can go toe to toe with the Russians would be NATO pilots. Of course, Ukraine pilots are. Come on, even come in the proper on. plane, it's, it's so it's, it's a pilot, not the plane. What if we talk about the no fly zone? Where do no, you no, guys? No, no. I think wait, wait, we wait, should wait, move wait, on wait, to wait, another wait. subject because nobody's going to agree on this one. Look, but but what people have to understand is the danger. So if it's going to do some good then I'm for it. But it isn't. Russian pilots and planes are better than Ukrainian pilots and planes. Period. They're not going to help. It's like their army is better, right? They're getting slaughtered on the ground. They're not getting slaughtered, Congressman. They are, Bill. But There's the far more casualties than the Ukrainians. They're putting up a great defense. They're putting up a great defense. A whole different ballgame on the ground than in the air. That's Ukraine territory. They know the turf. Anyway... What about the, the no-fly zone the no, is another, okay, you put a no-fly zone there, and that means Russian airlines cannot fly over Ukraine, right? Everybody understand what that is? Of course. So there comes a, a fleet of Russian MiGs. Who's going to shoot them down? Exactly. Yeah. Who? Right, and then and then that you start world. That's how World War One started. If right. World War Two started, because we didn't stop it. I know it's a hard decision to make because. But then, if if Putin starts using chemical weapons, I, I just threw out a simple question. <laughs> pure confusion. See, well, it, this is everybody's security, though. This is the whole security of the United States of America. If we have to go to war with Russia, say they did use chemical weapons on civilians in Ukraine, that would be enough. So they invaded Poland or Lithuania. That would be enough. Absolutely. Then the American people are going to understand and back it. Bill, but it if sounds you throw like... up a no-fly zone and the no-fly zone leads to World War III, where millions of people will be killed, millions, okay, you're not going to get popular opinion of back a no-fly zone. It also sounds like to me that you question whether Poland thinks we really have their back. No, Poland doesn't want problems, direct problems with Putin. They don't want that, and they know if they do it, that Putin will then turn his eye on what them. base? What base did they uh, did the Russians shoot uh, fifteen miles from Poland today? Yeah, they they hit a Ukrainian base. Bill O'Reilly, if you had the ear of somebody who can actually bring peace, what would be your suggestion? To there is no way to bring peace. It's up to Putin. Now, Putin is is getting strangled economically, and that story is hard to tell. Because there's no open press, free press in Russia. But those people can't be liking this. All right? Another three or four weeks of this where they're not getting anything in there. Their money's not worth anything. They're starting to get hungry. They can't do business on any level. you got to feel the military might take a look at this going, is this really worth it? That's what the West wants. They want a military coup against Putin to take him out. But it's frustrating because it takes a long time for that to happen. Putin's the only one who, who is, can dictate terms here. 
Now, there are ongoing peace. This is the fourth session today. And I think in a week, few weeks that Putin will try to forge some deal, take a big slice of Ukraine, and try to forge some deal. It'll be interesting to see if the West accepts the deal. Can Xi talk him off the ledge? Why would he? He, he, loves he, he would look great to the West. Nah, he doesn't, he doesn't care. care. He doesn't, he looks, yeah. he all, of this, all of this chaos among Russia and NATO helps China. So China looks like oh, a stable situation. And Xi is also looking to see if he can get Taiwan out of this. Um, and so, you know, Xi is, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. He may, he may do one of these little posture things and say, okay, why don't you all come to Beijing and we'll hash it out. That's possible. That would be a PR thing. And you're, you're correct. It's possible. What does he want from us for it is the question. Taiwan. Yes, no, we're not going to give it. No, we're not. That's what he wants. Give me Taiwan. Putin doesn't care even about his own people because he knew this would happen. He doesn't care. He only cares about Putin himself. Doesn't care, but she does. That's the difference between she yes. and Putin. I agree. Mm-hmm. See, she knows that if he goes to Putin, the economic sanctions on Russia would then be applied to China, and China's economy is all exports. They send things to America and everywhere else. That's how they make their money. You get a you slap on an embargo on Chinese uh, products. She suffers a lot more than Putin because Putin's economy is the 17th largest in the world. It's not even a major concern. All they have is oil and energy products. That's it. Where she, you stop all of those exports coming out of China, they're in trouble and they're in trouble fast. Bill O'Reilly, what are you going to talk about at ten nine o'clock tonight? I'm going to talk about the assault on Tucker Carlson, the Fox News pundit from the far left. They're trying to take him out. It's a very interesting story. Uh, they're tying him to Putin, and I'm going to talk about that. And what what was Tucker's position? I haven't watched him. Lately. Well, supposedly he's so pro-Putin that Russian TV is asking the networks there to play all of Tucker Carlson. And what is it? Uh, what is it? Uh What's her name? Uh, Hubbard? What's that one? Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi Gabbard, yeah, from Hawaii. Hawaii. Yeah. Lydia, do you think that report's true? No. No, I do not. I think he's been unduly sympathetic. No, I think he's been unduly sympathetic to Putin. I know, but I don't think think that whole Russian thing is true. I don't think that whole Russian thing is true. Take Carlson out of it. Just take him out of it. I don't believe anything coming out of Russia. Right. You get a report, and they send this to Mother Jones magazine. Does that make any sense to anyone? Nobody even knows what that is. Nobody reads it. If you were going to have a campaign to use a major American broadcaster and network, why would you send the story to Mother Jones? Right. right. Why? Exactly. Give it to the New York Times or the Washington Post, right? Absolutely. That's why. Okay. See, these are the questions that I always ask. Why would you put a bioweapons lab 50 miles from the Russian border? Who would do that? The answer is no one. Why would you leak a story about Tucker Carlson to Mother Jones? Just when the ratings came out and he's dominating. But there's no, no reason to do that. The, you want they want to the, take the him the out. The New York Times the would left, love to take No, Tuck, but the left Tucker wants out. to take out That's Tucker right. because right. he's killing so it. Bill, Tucker Carlson has been wrong on this. Though. He has oh, been yeah. a Putin apologist. Be that as it may. Yes. I'm with the congressman. I'm with the congressman. No, 100%, but the report is wrong. Right. Be that as it may. I think the American people are smart enough to decide 
whether Bill O'Reilly, Tucker Carlson, or anybody else is right or wrong on any issue. Right. Okay? But a story comes out like that, and it's got phony all over it. And one of the worst things in this country right now is, and we talked about this right in the beginning of this interview, is that Americans don't know what to believe. We don't know what to believe. Bill O'Reilly, I'm going to be listening to you at 9 o'clock tonight and uh, WABC Radio 770 and WABCradio.com worldwide. And uh, I look forward to uh, hearing uh, some more of this because I enjoyed this. All right, guys. Thanks for having me in. Always fun. Bye. Thank you. Uh, we're not going to take a break. We're going to go straight. I understand we got a call coming in from uh, Warsaw, Poland. We have Bob Unanwe. He is the CEO of Goya Foods. And right now he is on a great mission there, as he always is, to help people that, that need it the most. And tell us all what you're doing, Bob. Bob, are you there? Maybe we'll get maybe we should we just take let's take a break and then we'll come back and we'll talk. We'll hopefully get Bob Unanwe back on the line. Common Sense Recap of the Day's Biggest Stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Cats at Night on 77 WABC. Welcome back to the John Katsimatidis Cats at Night show. That was quite the spirited conversation we had there with Bill O'Reilly. You, you think so? <laughs> That's because Carbonetti is here. He creates all the issues, all the trouble. <laughs> they were. Uh, they Excuse were, me, it was my question. Well, we Let's have a guest from Warsaw. Let's get. They to were him. egging you on. Okay, we got Bob Unanwe. He is on a great mission as we speak. He is in Warsaw, Poland, there to help the people in need. Bob Unanwe is the CEO of Goya Foods. Bob, how's it going, and what are you doing? Uh, great, Lydia. Hi, John, and everyone. Uh, yeah, I just arrived tonight with the team. Uh, we're carrying fifteen thousand rosaries wow. that. Uh, started with one rosary from this woman, Shannon Hase of San Antonio, because she saw what we were doing and she wanted to offer us a rosary. Uh, one led to, 50, to thousands of 15,000 and, and growing. So they asked us to personally deliver these rosaries here, and we're going to be doing that. We're going to be going close to the border where we have, uh, we're working with these people, GEM, uh, a global empowerment mission, and they get food and supplies in, into the Ukraine. They're also relocating people. They're doing a fantastic uh, job and all that. Babu Nanwe, we never underestimate there. the power of prayer, but you're also delivering food, right? Yes, we, we have food coming in from Spain, uh, our facilities in Spain, from Florida, from all over. And, uh, you know, they're also not only distributing food and medicine, but they're also relocating these people, which are, you know, this 2.6 million people immigrating out of the country, many in in Warsaw here, the soup kitchens and things like that, but on the border. And uh, we may possibly, uh, you know, we've been asked by Shannon, who uh, is this incredibly faithful woman, to, um, to uh, get an image of the Virgin of Guadalupe, the, the Russian Orthodox, or, or have a devotion to Mary, and we might take this into the into the uh, battlefield uh, and into uh, these soldiers. Um, we, we're going to call for get a mass together and call for prayer, unceasing prayer, until the uh, we have peace. Babu Nanwe, you know, we we watch the TV and sometimes, you know, John and I, we talk about it. We're like, we don't know what to believe. I know Poland is accepting most of the refugees. What are the stories you're hearing? From right there, because you're right there on the ground speaking to the refugees as they're coming in, fleeing for their lives. 
Yeah, for example, there's more probably they're saying more refugees in Warsaw than than the population itself. But what these groups are doing, like Jam and, and others, they're getting uh, uh, buses and they're relocating people around Europe. And, uh, the, and even some people in Texas that I've spoken to there, uh, we're accepting people over there. Uh, you know, the world is opening up their arms to, uh, to these refugees who are, you know, fleeing by the millions. But I think we're close to three million refugees out of, out of uh, Ukraine. And, and Poland's taken in a million and a half, and they only have a 37 million population. So it's like a 5% increase in a matter of two weeks. Where are they putting everyone? Yes, and the idea is, and they're they're struggling because you know it's it's a big thing. So we're you know we're delivering food in here and in Ukraine, but uh, they're also lo- working to relocate so that these people can go into uh, other countries in Europe and and uh, you know around around the globe, so you know, they can absorb this mass uh, exodus. This, this humanitarian crisis, probably nothing like it ever. This is uh, amazing. Now, these families, the, the 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 wife and the children came and they left their husbands be, uh, behind to fight. Is that uh, is that what you understand? Sure. Half of the uh, close to three million uh, immigrants are 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 children, and the women and children. And some people are coming over here. They're getting supplies. And they're going back in. So there's a line going back in to Ukraine. Uh, you know, the, the western part of Ukraine was pretty safe, but the Russians have started bombing, you know, Lviv and and, and towns like that on the border where it was, was a kind of a, a safe zone. But uh, Bob, what no, made you embark on this of... journey? Babu Nanwe, what made you embark on this journey? Because you could put your own life in, at risk here. Well, well, you know, first of all, we always respond to these crises with food. You know, that's what we do, and, and uh, even during the pandemic. But uh, this thing, the humanitarian thing, where they're, you know, firing on, on civilians. But this, we, we see, I received a call from this woman, Shannon Hasse in San Antonio, and she said, would you please take, accept a rosary? That was one rosary. Then she said, how about a few hundred? How about thousands? And we're at 15,000 and counting. And then she said, can you take these over to the Ukrainians uh, in Ukraine and in uh, Poland and, and neighboring countries? So that's uh, where, where would in our Robert, suitcases, uh, 15,000 with a team here, 15,000 rosaries. If, if people right. wanted to send food or more uh, uh, rosaries, where would they send them? Any, any idea? Well, Jem, you know, Jem is located uh, Rejoir, which is on uh, close to the Ukraine border, but they're also opening warehouses in uh, Warsaw, Hungary, and, and other places. So, a uh, Jem Global Empowerment Mission is people we're working with. In fact, uh, other organizations and, and the ex-first lady of Poland is also involved. So, they're involved in not only food and medicine, but also relocating. Uh, all these people. Well, Bob, uh, anything else you would like to say, or, or would you get in touch with us again if you're if you're staying there longer? Sure, I, I, we're trying to get a mass on, on Thursday uh, with, uh, you know, get, uh, have somebody pretty high up in, in the church to call for prayer, and then from there, um, you know, uh, you know, we just want to galvanize people, call to prayer until this uh, this thing ends. 
And I think the, the we're looking for the intercession of the uh, Mother Mary and and prayer. You know, the only thing that that can uh, defeat evil is is love and prayer. And, and uh, you know, we this world we're we're too divided. We have to you know start praying and and bringing get closer to God. The thing is to get closer to God because we're we're moving away from God. You've always been a man of God and thank you for everything you do and Goya Foods, thank uh, Goya Foods for everything they do and and uh, God bless and uh, stay in touch and stay safe and uh, we'll catch up with you again real soon. God bless you all. Thank you. Thank you, John. Uh, let's go to Bert Flickinger now. Right. He is a leading food and consumer products expert. We're seeing inflation like we haven't seen in 40 years. Well, Bert- Bert, Bert's going to tell us the truth. Where the heck are we? Yeah. Bert? And, and where, where, where the heck are we, John and Lydia, in the eyes of the Flickinger family, the Katsvatidis and the Anawe families are worldwide heroes from war to peace. And the war in Ukraine and uh, Russia that you just talked about is raising fertilizer prices to grow food around the world to record-breaking proportions. One, food prices are up 21% worldwide in less than 10 months, and they're going up even higher, and they're unprecedented price gouging of the brand manufacturers. And there's institutional ineptitude in almost every capital in Europe uh, and in North America, which is making a bad situation far worse. Uh, can uh... We talked the other day, and there was a list of manufacturers you had that were announcing big increases in the month of March. Big increases, John, are ready-to-eat cereal, Kellogg's, General Mills, Quaker Division of Procter & Gamble, uh, beverages, uh, Coke, uh, Pepsi, uh, Ocean, Ocean Spray. There isn't an aisle anywhere in your stores, as you know, John that the prices are going down, they're going up, and instead of one price increase a year, it's three or four increases a year. And as you and Lydia reported well, there were price increases in January, now there are price increases in March, and there are more price increases in May, and two more after that. So consumers by New Year's will be paying 30% to 35% more New Year's at the end of this year than they were New Year's a couple months ago. Any recommendations, Mr. Flickinger? Uh, recommendations, uh, private label, John. Uh, you and your team done a phenomenal job in private label. We're working with Phil Fitzell uh, and Cornell University to publish a, a book, The Explosive Growth of Private Label, and consumers should move away from national brands immediately and start buying store brands because better quality, and it's the only way to, for a consumer and its family to raise standard of living where this year uh, the cost for a family of five for gas, groceries, and home heat is $9,000 versus $5,000 in 2021. Bert Flickinger, we, somebody, I just heard somebody before say, well, it's only a couple of pennies, like 10 cents, 20 cents. And then I, I saw one report saying the average American household is only paying $200, $300, maybe extra a month. Just how devastating is inflation to the average American family, especially to the poor? Because we know that's essentially what it is. It's a tax on the middle class and the poor. Lydia, you're bringing up such important points as always. It's a tax. It's going to create health problems, uh, organ damage. It's going to, it's going to cre- create uh, life-threatening damage from lack of uh, nutrition, particularly for uh, children uh, and for seniors and everybody in, in between. 
because since my uh, grandfather, Bert Flickinger Sr., ran the food distribution effort for President Roosevelt in World War II, we have not seen inflation this bad since the Dust Bowl of the 1930s, and there's no sign of it going down. It's going up, and as John knows better than anybody worldwide, before when uh, prices uh, from the farms used, used to go down, the brand manufacturers would lower prices. The brand manufacturers, uh, Lydia, John will tell you, are never going down. They only go up, and shoppers are getting screwed to unprecedented proportions. The Federal Trade Commission's asleep at the switch, as it has been for 25 years, as are the state attorney generals. Well, I guess we're in a mess here, and... Uh... Uh, Bert, um, Janet Yellen also said she thinks inflation is here to say at least for the next year. Didn't they say it was transitory? Well, they said originally it's going to be down to 2% at the end of the year, which is a lot of uh, crap. Is that the way you say it? Okay. Uh, so much Lydia, for her reputation. On, on, on inflation, to paraphrase John, common sense is very uncommon in the capitals and the uh, political sector of the controlling uh, parties. Just uncommon common sense. And consumers are going to be hurt harder than they have any time since the 1930s. So, so bottom line, the consumer, uh, if you uh, if you like the product, go out and fill up your coverage because it's not the price is not going to go down. Is and he's saying right? to get the store brands because it's a higher quality. Uh, just fill up your coverage. Yeah, Jay, John's recommendation is perfect because with the stock market crashing. You make more money by saving more money, stocking up your cupboards, as John referenced so well, uh, and take take uh, money. Don't invest. Only invest in food and inventory for your refrigerators, your homes, and your pantries, to John's point, because the prices today uh, will be going up 20 to 30 percent in a few tomorrows from now in, in, ter- in terms of months. Uh, and one more item before we have to go to a, um, a break. Uh, you told me the other day that uh, it used to cost $5,000 to bring a truck from California to New York, uh, like a truckload of lettuce. And now how much is it now? Now, John, it's $14,000 just for the truck and the driver, which is more than the le- the entire cost of the lettuce inside a 40-foot uh, uh, truck trailer. <clears throat> so the cons- cons- consumers are, are paying triple for lettuce so they they can't afford lettuce they can't afford fruit tomatoes cereal uh costs more than some cuts of steak and it's just uh non-stop out of control price gouging uh supply chains uh snafus and a crisis while the politicians are paying themselves and and uh laughing when they're being interviewed uh while consumers are are, are dying from from lack of food and eleven thousand and eleven percent increase in foreclosures because they can't afford their food and they can't afford to pay their mortgages and they can't afford to pay their rent. Bert Fleckinger, thank you for uh, everything you do, letting the consumer know what the heck is going on, and uh, let's catch up again real soon. Thank you, John and Lydia, and your whole team for great courage, and especially in the Anahuay family, as you referenced so well too. God bless all. God bless. We need we need God's blessing. Let's take a break, and we're coming back with Dr. Peter Mikolos, and apparently they're now calling for another dose of the COVID vaccine. Dr. Mikolos will break it all down for us. We'll be right back. John and this is a TriCast. Uh, it's AM 970, The Answer, at WABC 770, and uh 
and WLIR. You know what we forgot to bring up today? Today's Pi Day. Pi Day. Oh, you have a message to deliver. David Patterson, Governor David Patterson, who's one of your favorite co-hosts, called me today. He was on Bernie and said this morning. I was listening. And only David Patterson can recite the uh, thousands and thousands of numbers. Actually, 62 trillion numbers. You know, Dr. Mikolos might, too, because he's brilliant as well. And David was on the show today, recited 200 numbers. 200 numbers, but the reality is it's infinite. 62 trillion, at least. Yeah. But he said he could keep going. He can do thousands. It was amazing today. And David called because I challenged him once, said he couldn't do it. So he really well, stuck a, it to me today. Is there a trick to it? I wonder. I don't know. David David is a smart guy. I, I wish he was the governor. I do, too. A lot of Amen. people wish Amen. he was Amen the governor. That. Dr. Mihalos, can you recite Pi? <laughs> well, right now we're going to talk about COVID. And, uh, we want our, I can recite the first three start. digits, 3.14. Yeah, exactly. Five minutes, I want to try to get in. The the, 200 uh, the shots of COVID. Go ahead. Tell, tell us what no. the heck is going on. No, I don't think shot. we're going to get 200 shots. But why don't we let's start with the facts of where we are today, because the, the only place you get it is here on uh, 77 WABC. WABC. Yep. So what we have to say is that over 6 million deaths have happened worldwide. That's a reality. 967,804 deaths in the USA. 1.7 million deaths in the EU. And in the last two weeks, we've had 29,688 people in the hospital, which is down 42% from two weeks ago. So that's great news for the USA. And now, unfortunately, we're still having 1,291 deaths a day, averaging the last two weeks. But that is down 31% from two weeks ago. The good news is 65% of the U.S. population is fully vaccinated and 443 percent are boosted. The issue is that we're all vaccinated and boosted for the original alpha variant, not for what's out there right now, but it does prevent hospitalization and death, but people are still getting sick. For example, in Nassau County, they had 54 cases in the last two weeks, and 95 percent of them were fully vaccinated. On the world stage, Shenzhen, China is in full lockdown because they're having an explosion of cases. It's also happening in Hong Kong. And in Shanghai, we're res- they're restricting non-essential travel, and we have 380,000 new cases a day in South Korea as we speak. And the World Health Organization announced today that the pandemic is far from over. And we're also seeing now and hearing about the new recombinant Delta Cron variant, as we talked about and we predicted a few weeks ago right here on this show, that we're concerned that when someone gets infected with two different variants that they might merge. And that's what this new Delta Cron variant is showing up in Europe, the UK, Netherlands, and Denmark. But we don't know if it's going to be any worse. We don't have any uh, data. The other news is, yes, the oral antivirals work, but there are shortages in the supply chain. And they say that we might not see a good supply of Paxlovid, the Pfizer drug, till next December, which is not good because right now we should be able to write a prescription and you should be able to get the Merck or the the uh, Paxlovid drug from Pfizer right away, but uh, we're we're seeing that people are having trouble getting it in pharmacies. The other thing is about this booster situation. Albert Borla was on Face the Nation, who's the CEO of Pfizer, and uh, he said that uh, we're going to probably need a fourth vaccine. The problem is fourth vaccine for what? Right now, the, the, the vaccines are about the first variant. So what he did say, which is important, is that we need variant-specific vaccines for the Delta Cron, the stealth variant, and the Omicron variant. And he said we also need vaccines, and they're working on one right now that will last a full year and will be uh, variant-specific. 
And, so, you know, my, my speak to your doctor, uh, of course, and make your decision. Me personally, my decision is I want to see a variant specific vaccine that's ready and avail and ready uh, that can work for a full year. And I'd like to see oral antivirals and monoclonal antivirals readily available throughout the United States. And uh, speaking about Russia, they're doing quite well with their antiviral pill of Vifavir that they've distributed to 17 other countries. And within five days, people's symptoms are reducing and they're testing negative. And that is a uh, repurposed drug that originally started in Japan and it's called Avifavir. And, uh, you know, they seem to be doing uh, well on that. But as far as getting a fourth vaccine, I think you need to speak to your doctor and decide. But me personally, I'm waiting for variant specific vaccines that can last for one year. The other great news is because of these mRNA vaccines, they are uh, making mRNA antibody vaccines against breast cancer, pancreatic cancer. And Borla said that within two to three years, we'll have those available. So could you imagine that you can actually get a vaccine and it can block pancreatic cancer or breast Do- cancer? Dr. Mikulos, a quick, think- quick uh, question I wanted to ask you. So a friend of mine, he got COVID three times. I told him to check his vitamin D levels. They're in the, they're in the toilet. Is, should people be getting their vitamin D levels checked out in order to better protect themselves on the natural front in order to avoid getting COVID? Yeah, normal is zero to 30. People who have vitamin D levels below 30 are faring much poorer with COVID. When you have high vitamin D levels, you do much better. That's one of the reasons why. That's one of the things. It's an immune booster, but it's also a precursor for serotonin. That's why happiness levels are higher in sunny places and in dark places where there's not a lot of sun, people have more depression and suicide. So vitamin D is actually our hormone and it's involved in our immune system and it's very important. And the the, the mnemonic is ADEC. A-D-E-K are fat soluble. We don't pee those vitamins out. They stay in our body. So when a doctor tells you to take vitamin D, you also have to check your levels in six months because you could also get vitamin D toxicity. But right now, most Americans have low vitamin D level, and that's one of the issues they're discovering in the uh, African-American community and uh, some of the darker skin human beings. What happens in Africa, there's a lot of sunlight, so they're having more vitamin D. But if you have dark skin and you live in a climate in the northeast in the winter and you're not getting enough vitamin D, your vitamin D levels are super low. So now the data is coming out that all those people with the low vitamin D are not faring as well. So well, thank you so much, Dr. Dr. Mikolos. We're going to have another report on Ukraine from Ambassador John Bolton. Are we going right to Ambassador Bolton? We're going, we have to take a break. Okay. So we're going to take up. Thank you so much, Dr. Mikolos. Thank you, Dr. Mikolos. We'll have you thank back. Thank you, Dr. On. Lydia. Oh, yes. Well, I learned from Dr. Mikolos and, uh, from the show. Come back with uh, some breaking news from uh, Ambassador Bolton. That's right. So keep it right here. Ambassador Bolton with breaking news on Ukraine. We'll be right back. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats at Night on 77 WABC. There's a lot of confusion of what the heck is going on in Russia, the Ukraine, and and we're busy uh, uh, feeding people. Uh, there are refugees going into Poland. Uh, with us today is Ambassador John Bolton. Uh, John, do you understand what's going on there? Well, it's very confused, but I think we can still say that uh, nearly three weeks into this invasion, the Russians are still not where they expected to be. But they have turned up the level of force around the capital, Kiev, around other cities, and uh, uh, I don't really see much prospect for negotiations bringing an end to this anytime soon. Putin has an objective in mind here. We don't know what it is. 
The reputation of the Russian military has been badly damaged, and he needs to do something in his mind uh, to, to get over that. And I think that's what we're about to see in the next several weeks. So what are you hearing from your sources? Uh, uh, is Putin – he hasn't entered Kiev yet, right? No, they're, they're still trying to encircle the city uh, entirely. And, and to me, this is a mystery what Russian strategists much, must have been thinking of to try and get into tank battles in an urban environment. But uh, I think clearly he must want to overthrow the Zelensky government. He's paid a fearsome price for that, and he still hasn't accomplished it yet. When I spoke to General Keene last week, General Keene uh, uh, couldn't believe how underprepared the Russian army was. Uh, what are your thoughts? I, I agree entirely. I think uh, the, the only the only uh, glimmer of, uh, of, uh, of satisfaction coming out of this is that other Eastern European countries looking at the Russian army's performance uh, must believe now they've got additional time, more of an opportunity to continue to build up their own defenses. I have to believe these were thought to be some of the best elements of the Russian army. You wouldn't put the second string in for something so visible, so important to Putin. And if this is the best he's got, think of what he's got uh, back in uh, elsewhere in Russia. I mean, this this really is going to cause, I think, a that's lot why of he's looking to Syria for help. Yeah. And, you know, that's uh, that you, you know what what kind of unit that's going to be. Yes. They're, they're not taking a two week crash course on the Geneva Conventions. You can bet on that. John, John this is Pete King. Uh, how do you feel we should have handled the jets from Poland? Uh, I absolutely think that uh, that we should have allowed the transfer of those MIGs. I've got a piece in the New York Post today about the mistakes made on that. I think it sends a terrible signal uh, to both the Ukrainian forces resisting this invasion and the Russian forces. It's it's a gift to the Russians and 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 a big mistake. I hope it can be reversed. I I thought it was dead in Congress, but but apparently it's not yet. And uh, it would it would be a significant morale boost. They, the Ukrainians only have a certain number of planes, uh, and just attrition is going to grind them down. The Russians have many more. This isn't a perfect answer, but it's help. But it helps. Here's the way I understand it, guys: is that. Uh, Poland is willing to give the mix, but they don't want to deliver directly to the Ukrainians because they're scared that they'll be they'll be targeted. Poland was willing to deliver the MiGs to the American Air Force base and then have the Americans deliver the MiGs. So here's the well, argument. Think- is that that's the way I understand it, uh, Ambassador? Well, I think Ukrainian pilots would have had to fly the planes over the border. I think what the Poles wanted from us was the OK, because if they had just done it on their own, uh, some people would have criticized Poland as having gone rogue. Uh, they wanted to be sure that the leader of the alliance, that is to say the United States, agreed with them and they couldn't get agreement. And by all, all accounts, this went directly to President Biden. You've got the secretary of state on CBS face the nation saying we're going to green light the planes. And that was reversed. So it was a U.S. decision. I think the Poles just wanted to make sure we were all together on it, and we were not. We were not. I mean, the Poles were willing to donate the planes but not deliver the planes. That's because we're the leaders, though. The U.S. is the leader, and they wanted us to show that we're coordinated. Can Poland do it anyway right now, Ambassador? They're not going to do it. Technically, they could, but they won't unless the United States gives gives the okay for it. I think I think that's that's why I thought it was dead. But I understand several members of Congress are still pressing on it. Look, the the worry is we would provoke Putin. I'm telling you, by sending the Ukrainian army stingers and tow missiles, by providing them 
critical intelligence by aiding their cyber warfare program. If Putin wants a pretext to escalate this against NATO, he's already got it. Right. He'll use any excuse. He's He's been using any excuse. And we're talking about him like he's a rational person. Ambassador Bolton, how does this end or how do how is it well, possible to end? This might provoke if we arm them, he might say, you know what, I've already suffered more losses than I thought I would. If if we're going to arm them with planes, he might say, you know what, now's the time to negotiate my way out of this. I think it only ends yeah. if they he take it out. He can't occupy it. It's too large to occupy. He's proven he can't control it. Get out. Ambassador Bolton? I, I don't think he, he can do that yet. Quite aside from Poland, as I said, the performance of the Russian military has done a substantial reputational blow yes. uh, to its credibility. He's he In Putin's mind, he's got to find some way to rehabilitate that credibility, and that means some kind of military victory. I'm afraid what it may mean is you're just going to keep grinding Ukrainian cities into the dust. And how do we – we can't stop them? And just, Any recommendations? If you were in the uh, Oval Office right now next to Biden, what would you whisper in his ear? Well, I'd say you've got to think of something like a humanitarian no-fly zone. You cannot sit by and, and allow this to happen. You've got to enforce the sanctions vigorously. The, there are already stories about how sanctions are being evaded, and uh, uh, and that really is the test of how – effective we and the Europeans are going to be. You've got to shut down the Russian energy sector. I'm afraid the sanctions, while they're having a powerful effect on Russia's economy, are not enough in the near term to stop Putin's continued use of force. Are we forcing Putin to be allied uh, strongly with the Chinese? I don't think we're forcing him. I think they were moving in this direction, and, uh, and this has accelerated it. That's not a good thing for the West. But I, I don't at this point know how to split them apart without giving Putin things that, uh, that that we shouldn't give him, like, for example, a big piece of the Ukraine. Is is China support, supporting Putin? Is he, Are they supplying some equipment? I, I don't have any doubt that they're helping out in many ways. You know, they've both just denied that uh, Russia asked China for military equipment. I think they're lying if they did deny it. I think, I think China has Russia's back in this invasion. They'll help with oil and gas purchases. They'll help with laundering Russian money through Chinese banks because some of Russia's big banks have, have been cut off. I think they've reached this understanding. Uh, I, I don't I don't think we know the full dimension. Well, it looks like we're losing uh, the ambassador. And uh, ambassador, thank you. Thank you very much for coming on. And thank you for uh, everything you do for America and telling the truth. God bless you. And uh, Congressman Thanks King. Oh, thank you, Ambassador. Uh, thank, thank you, Congressman King. Well, what's the conclusion, guys? I mean, Congressman. I, uh, Chief. I, th- I think, John, we've set ourselves up as we're all sitting and waiting for Putin to make the next move, and that's a terrible situation to be in. Bottom line, I don't know what the, if we know what, what the hell is going on. I think I we have know. to start setting ground rules. Yes. Yeah. We're allowing him. We're literally sitting here and reacting to everything hope, he does. That's exactly right. Putin has called the game. We're reacting. We're doing nothing. This is a shameful abdication of moral playbook. responsibility. He knew the minute he mentioned nuclear weapons, we'd cower in the corner. Guys, but I'm he's deranged you, and evil. Right. We, we got 30 seconds, 40 seconds left. I'm going to give you the solution. Uh, Bill O'Reilly was yelling all, all at me, and everybody's, let's do this, let's do that. I got the solution. You give arms to the Ukrainians. You give them stinger missiles for the knock out the knock out the tanks, and guess what? The Ukrainians will do their job and destroy the Russian army.
defend themselves. And, and drums, we won't have forget drums. And we, and we won't have World War Three because we don't need World War Three, guys. No one okay. Well, let, maybe Putin let will use Ukrainians that as a pretext. do their job. Give them all the guns they need. Give them all the. Putin thinks that's need. an act of war. God and I don't does, care. No, he doesn't. He doesn't think. If we give him, if we give him, uh, if we give him airplanes, that's an act of war. It's well, not an act of war, but he says it is. Right. Wow. I, I, okay, I'm all let's for take it. a break. Wait, wait, we got to end the show. We're done, John. <laughs> God bless New York. God bless America. <laughs> <laughs>